Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turn it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking fantasy podcast my name is charles and with me today as always is my lifelong friend and co-host dylan i'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend charles i'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well dylan and not just any fantasy today oh that's right today we are continuing our reading of monstrous with volume three titled haven yeah I mean, what more can we say about Monstrous but the fact that we are super pumped to get into the series. We've been enjoying, or getting further into the series, let's say. We've been enjoying reading through it ever since Beth Tabler first recommended to us to read this on Twitter after an exchange. And uh, go follow Beth Tabler, at Beth Tabler (laughs) on Twitter. And it's been quite a journey so far, Charles. I think we've made it all the way to the end of that big book that you got. That It's volumes one through three, right? That's right. We've made it to the end of what is called book one. This massive tome that's been like hurting my wrists to hold up as I read. And uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, we've made it to the end. How are your wrists doing? They're doing good. They're stronger than ever now. so not only did (laughs) yeah not only did you get an awesome story out of this but you got a workout and you're stronger than ever so with this new and improved charles let's discuss (laughs) (laughs) volume three haven there will be spoilers Mm. of this episode uh in this episode of monstrous volumes one through three so if you have not yet read through monstrous volume one through three then this is a great time to go pick it up because we love this graphic novel comic series Mm -hmm. and if you (laughs) don't want to get anything spoiled for you then now is a good time to turn this down in your headphones but if you have read through monstrous volumes one through three We've got some awesome discussion topics, like I mentioned, and the first one <laughs> nice. is irony of the title Haven. So, Charles, what were you thinking about when you wrote this as your discussion top discussion topic? Well, what I was thinking was I was looking back because this is book one and it is now over. I was looking back at all three volumes kind of as a, a whole piece, just because that's how I've been reading it. And volume one was called Awakening. And volume two was called Blood. And I feel like those were pretty self-explanatory. This awakening being the coming to terms with Micah and this ancient being, which we now know is um, its name is Zin. And then we have Blood and volume two Blood was it was a particularly um, violent episode. And it also had to do with like (laughs) heritage and things. I mean, yeah, well. The episode our was pretty discussion tame, but our discussion got a little violent. <laughs> but the <laughs> volume was particularly uh, action-packed in that one, and so 
Well, it's also obviously about the blood and her heritage and not just in the more literal sense where she's got the blood of the shaman empress, but also in the sense that a lot of it seemed to be about family because Mm -hmm. her mother played a big role in that one or the memory of her mother anyway. Mm -hmm. And also the way that despite not sharing any blood, at least that we know of um, her and little Fox seem to have almost a uh, either older sister or mother daughtery kind of relationship going there too yes so. and then there's also this idea of the ancients and this island being actually the corpse of one of the ancients right and, like it's very layered very nuanced and we had that amazing discussion a few weeks ago so go check that out if you want to if, if that piqued your interest and you haven't heard that yet uh that's volume two blood but yeah. this volume is called haven and you have to wonder like this one like it's not as obvious as the other two volumes as to why this is called Haven. And I would say that this title compared to the other two is actually um, has, is more embedded in irony. This idea that um, there is no safe place that won't be involved in this war. And, you know, the setting of most of this volume Pontus is supposed to be a Haven, but it's a Haven that's under siege. Yeah, so the whole idea of Pontus is that it has this thing called, or at least supposedly, has this active thing called the shield that can protect them from all these outside forces during the giant wars that take place in the world of Monstrous. And we find out that... First off, the shield's not active anymore, uh, and we also find out that the potential safe haven that could be Pontus is not as safe as we might have been hoping for. Very well said. Yeah, I mean, that's what this kind of this arc is about, and should we just get into the, like, into some aspects of the plot here? Yeah, let's talk about it, Charles. So chapter 13 is where this whole bad boy starts. We're reminded of the relationship between Tuya and Micah. And actually, it's for the first time they show this romantic involvement between the two of them. And this chapter has this, you know, Micah's voiceover narration is her talking to Tuya. And she's like Micah's trying to you know, remember this relationship. Yeah, Charles, it's it's sort of presented in this dream sequence type scene. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know the extent to which this did ever happen or not mm-hmm. at this point, I'd say. Uh, but we do get the sense it feels more like a memory but we do know she was sleeping and potentially dreaming so that's going on early on and i think talking about the title earlier the idea of haven in some ways it seems like tuya and michael were sort of each other's safe haven when they had such a rough upbringing right and uh, then that haven is something that has been gone since the first volume. 
Yes, very well said. I, you know, I think what we're going to see um, across this whole volume is not just like how Pontus was under siege, but how like even her friendships and her family and, and um, her her traveling group here are all under siege as well, with uh, metaphorically speaking. So, um, continues to add to this nuanced layering of themes that Marjorie Liu is. Um, quite talented at in monstrous so we smash cut to basically we're now seeing tuya and micah's grandmother talking and trying to you know they're hinting at some sort of partnership between them and we know that they spend this volume trying to work out some kind of alliance so there is this kind of mystery behind you know tuya's motives and things like that and now she's with the grandma and they're plotting this greater alliance between the dusk court um and the dawn court uh, the dawn court <laughs> oh yeah the dawn court and the dusk court are the two uh right entities that are uniting via a a marriage which is i don't think that happens this early on but no you know everyone who's listening is already read through this so i won't worry about uh right <laughs> that's the other time we see them they're floating the idea of a marriage with and and, and tuya's like look i don't like the idea so the idea of tuya potentially marrying uh, micah's aunt i think it is is yeah uh, the sword of the east yes is very is very interesting and and that's kind of what they're off doing uh micah on the other hand finally gets to pontus and that's when they have this cute little like dinner scene and there's some more people that enter the fray here and they're like, oh, we got to, you know, fix the shield and you're the one to do it and we can tell you how to get started. And and that's basically where this story kind of kicks off. Right. I do love those cafe scenes, just the way that Kippa or Little Fox mm-hmm. is depicted in those and her relationship with Micah. You have that moment where Micah uh, steals some of Kippa's food and Kippa's upset <laughs> and wants it back. And just that relationship has developed in a way that is super adorable. And we get to see that here. Right. You even get to see Zinn be um, a little cheeky here with Little Fox because Micah's like, <laughs> oh, Zinn is sleeping forever, I hope. And then the uh, Zinn creeps out under Micah's robe to Little Fox and is like, shh, don't tell her I'm not actually sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's so you get to see these kinds of little moments of peace here, the haven that we're talking about with the name of this volume so yep gotta remember the good times when you can get them and the cafe scene and the moments leading up to the cafe scene are certainly some of the highlights yeah we also start learning i think we learned this last volume but we get a little more evidence of this that there's something going on where little fox can hear the monster where others can't like hear the monster talking Mm -hmm. things like that so we don't have we have more questions and answers about that right Mm -hmm. now yep throughout the volume there's been these like little hint shops that there's more to little fox than we might think a couple different characters kind of take notice of little fox and and try to bring little fox into the fold with the refugees and things like that so um there's definitely some mystery surrounding what little fox is capable of and that's been hinted at quite a bit in this volume and we know now that that's also leading up to like the end of this volume when little fox gets uh, abducted you know just as we're starting to learn more about her she's she goes missing 
Yeah. Well, let's talk some about Lil Fox because I think I think she's both of our favorite characters in this series. If nothing's changed here, Charles. Yeah, she you, definitely steals the show. If I say you so myself. might say she steals the show, Charles. That's a great tease for. I assume an upcoming episode. You always know the logistics. Uh, let's see. Yes, it's the next episode <laughs> after this <Okay>. one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, yeah, Lil Fox steals the show for sure by being, we've talked a lot about this. So if you want to hear us talk about this in detail, go back to Montrose Volume 1 if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how she stands in contrast to a lot of the more grim dark feeling characters in this book where I'd say that Lil Fox is allowed by Marjorie Lou and Sana Takeda to play this role of being like a good person who hopes and cares and does that without second thought without us having to see her like pay for it consistently as if the narrative is like angry at (laughs) characters for having any positive traits which we see sometimes in grimdark novels that like oh no you can't do that or you're gonna get wrecked and Lil Fox obviously by doing that in this dark setting is is super interesting and in this uh in this volume I think we really start to see Little Fox coming more and more into her own. We've been tracking, Charles, how frequently she hugs her tail. Right. And I'd say I I only noticed it happening once in this entire volume. That might It might have happened more. But the only time I noticed it was during that scene you were talking about where the monster Zin kind of peeks out and says, shh. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. And, you know, she's in sharper looking clothes she might be standing a little taller or maybe she's getting a little taller i'm not quite sure Mm. um but yeah she's certainly becoming more confident she's off having her own adventures through some of this she's meeting with the refugees getting involved with more of her own kind and we're starting to see her take a more prominent role in the action which you know is always a good thing to see and you get those juxtaposed with her stuffing her face full of desserts at a cafe, you know? So, yeah, love Little Fox. Yeah. You say she's standing taller. I mean, just the angle at which we're seeing Little Fox has changed a lot in the way she's depicted. Like, mm-hmm. literally, the way that Santiqueta draws us looking at Little Fox a lot more is almost looking up at her from above mm-hmm. as... And I've I noticed that. So yeah, she might be growing taller. She's definitely standing taller. But I think the way we're supposed to see her in this volume is as someone to almost like look up to a little bit more as she comes into her own. Very well said. Before we get too much more into the story, I do want to take a moment to talk about Pontus a little bit more. Because for me, this idea of the volume is is Haven. And predominantly, this entire arc takes place on Pontus, which I've described in our notes as a place for the displaced. And I just thought it was something particularly interesting about it. It, it builds on these themes that we've had throughout um, the past two volumes of this idea of refugees and, and mixed communities. You know, you see like race as 
uh, important part of this of this story and an important theme. And it's complex. It's morally gray, and it's bolstered by Sana Takeda's art style in these moments. Like I just love looking at Pontus as a setting. The idea that she's able to subtly detail the difference in cultures and races just by the different colors and attentions to details and where they're positioned it really makes for an awesome setting in this world i mean last time we were in the bones of a god in a mysterious misty haunted place and now we're in a borderline a refugee city with all this hustle and bustle of different cultures and races and it's speaks to not only the writing but the art style from Sana Takeda that of how vast this world is and how this this haven this diversity found in Pontus is like just naturally built into the theme of the story and in the world of monstrous yeah that's well said Charles you always do a great job of noticing the color scheme I've mm. found I whenever you start talking about this it's like something that I'm like oh I didn't I don't think I like consciously noticed that but right. now I was flipping through as you were talking and uh, as I want to do Charles because otherwise <laughs> you know I have to listen <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> but uh, no I was trying to follow along and kind of look at oh how's the refugee camp look how's the cafe look how do some of these other scenes like in the laboratory look and you're spot on there Charles Thank you. Yeah, no, I've always had a deep appreciation for animation and um, graphic design and things like that. So I'm, I'm always trying to take a look and see because, you know, it's it takes two to write graphic novels. So as much as Marjorie Lou's writing is amazing, this this other half of the story is being told through the illustration. So I always want to take a moment to see, like, what is Sun and Takeda trying to do in this volume beyond just what Marjorie Liu is trying to do? You know, how are they working together to tell this story? And I think in volume three, this haven, this idea of showing off all these different diverse characters and styles crammed into into one place um, was super successful here, in, in, just in Pontus. Well said, Charles. Yeah, you can see the light shining through in the refugee camp with all the other foxes and I mm -hmm. and just looking at a character design and... like a street vendor you can tell that's like they have different races mixed in them and and things like that so it's like super interesting how she's subtly able to communicate that these are like a melting pot of people without you know having to explain it over and over we get all these different mixed race characters showing up with different animal traits or skin tones and or like clothing yeah all this the attention to detail has is insane <laughs> it's insane yeah so shall we carry forward here charles with yeah what we get as this continues we we meet vin nem who's the royal engineer of pontus and she wants to activate the shield and says they need micah because she has the blood mm -hmm. and then we get some other sort of political intrigue stuff like a blood queen dies and we know that theria which is where the blood queens are from and played a role in our in uh volume two they're after micah and have been after her for a while and they're kind of closing in on the city right and that brings us to an end of chapter 13 you know i, I felt like chapter 13 of 
all the chapters that we've read in these first three volumes definitely um, had a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, it was smash cutting to a lot of different places. It was, you know, tying up the end of the last story and those characters and bringing in new political intrigues from other characters and showing us a new setting and trying to do it in one chapter. And while it did successfully set up the story, I did find myself being like, am I missing a page? Like, where are we now? Like, who are these people? I definitely think volume three is kind of opening up the the world and the political intrigue a lot more and um, definitely had to go back and reread a few pages and pay a little bit closer attention uh, in, in this volume. And and I think, you know, getting through chapter 13 was um, one of the more challenging aspects of, of the read. I don't know if you had that experience. Yeah, at times, I think there's just so much information to mm. be had in the monstrous series and it's such an ambitious work and i think the further we move along through monstrous the more we see like you were saying there charles the world is expanding the stakes are expanding we've always known that things are sort of on the verge of a potentially apocalyptic event in terms of a war and who knows what else might come but it was so more, so much more focused in volume one and volume two, I think, particularly on Micah and her trying to find out more about herself and her past and her relationships, like her mother mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And that's obviously still in volume three, but volume three seems to be a whole nother step toward like, okay, now I'm going to flesh out the world for, or we're going to flesh out the world for you. Got to mm. give Marjorie Lou and Sonicata yeah. their credit there. Yes. We're going to flesh out this world for you more and show you more of the other characters and the stakes and the factions. And that, that can be tough to follow at times when, something is like I said as ambitious as monstrous right but I think if the timing is right you know we got two pretty contained narrative driven story arcs and we've gotten to know um Micah and Zinn and Little Fox and and I think it's time to expand it and it's interesting to see their little fellowship grow and break off and things like that uh through this volume it's just, uh, yeah, it was just took a little bit of restructuring how I, how I read this. You know, okay, I got to kind of go back and remember who some of these other characters are. Like, it took me a while to remember um, the name of the Inquisitrix. You know, I was like, okay, I got yeah. to go back to, like, chapter two to understand, like, okay, remind me how these guys entered the fray again. Oh, right, 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 right. So, um you know, it, it took a little catching up, but I mean, that's the perk of epic fantasy, right? That's what you come here for is the expansive story. So I wouldn't expect anything less, ultimately. Right. Yeah. And that Inquisitrix ends up being kind of the big bad of this volume and mm-hmm. this arc. So it becomes important to remember some of these past things. And one of the good things about what we, I mean, something that I really appreciate about all this building the world and stuff is Marjorie Lou and Sonic trust us as the readers to remember these things because they know there's a lot they need to 
tell tell us moving forward and they don't want to spend time repeating things they've already told us so they avoid overly info dumping but there's just a lot of info that has to come across so if you I, I imagine for folks who aren't reading straight through like we are it could be challenging to remember oh who are the inquisitrixes again right like i remembered like them that. instantly like chapter 14 opens with the inquisitrix and i remembered her like visually obviously like the illustrations are you know very distinct there's so much detail in every character so i remembered this person i was like oh yeah I know they're kind of their story and what they're about, but I forget what her name is and like what faction she's part of. So like, I think the art style carries a lot of the weight in terms of what you yeah. need to remember to understand what's happening. And then there's a rewarding experience to be found in learning more about like the group she's a part of and the faction that she's involved in and her side in the politicking and things like that. So, um, certainly lives up to the to the name epic fantasy <laughs> yes so chapter 14 charles is mostly us taking a look at the temple as well as getting a glimpse into this fox refugee camp more that's more through kippa's eyes right. obviously so the temple scenes i think were pretty interesting and there's a great line in there from little fox that's uh, we're starting to get zin fleshed out more and more we saw some of this in volume two right where zin the monster actually has depth and something of a moral code though it might not be super recognizable to us <laughs> over here but we know that there's something that zin actually cares about or holds themselves up to in a way that it like matters which is different from this typical like devil on the shoulder monster type character and and Lil Fox's quote to describe the monster is Mr. Monster isn't that scary the longer you're around him I think <laughs> he might not be so bad deep down sort of like Miss Micah and and is it so yeah. So little fox of her to actually be willing to believe in Zin. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, you know, that's um, such a, you know, little fox is such a shining light in this story. And we've started to see Zin even take on its own like body and is now wearing a cloak and walking alongside everyone else in the mm. troop. So you are starting to see Zin not so much as this benevolent God force and more as like a, it's more humanized now, which is pretty interesting. And I also like that moment where Little Fox is suggesting to Zin that he eat or it eats the um, eats the plant or something. Yeah, it's like here it's these like, are edible and they're good for healthy eyes. And they yeah. grow in the north too. Maybe you could eat them instead of people. <laughs> and <laughs> and Zin's like, what a foolish suggestion, but takes it anyway and is looking at it. You know. <laughs> Like you can see, even Zin is kind of warming up to Lil Fox a bit. So it's like these moments are like are definitely that aspect of the literal aspect of Haven. It's like oh, these are the good times, and that scene is very bright. They're in a luscious garden, and you know they're all happy, and yeah, it's just a fun time. Yeah, uh, that's it's great. And then we do get from that refugee camp 
more good little fox stuff going on. She wants to help the refugees, of course, and she gets kind of told, oh, you could be a scout. But she gets warned a lot, and she's not very good at taking warnings, I think. She does say, it's like, uh, there's wolves. Someone tells her there's wolves, there's misery, there's all this stuff. Uh, you got to watch out. And Lil Fox says, I'm good with wolves and good at not getting eaten, ma'am. <laughs> and she has proved that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> she is pretty good at not getting eaten, uh, although she does disappear at the end, so we hope for the best for her. But, uh, yep, love, love Little Fox. Um, so we get a lot of her. We also get the beginnings of the shield, like you had said. They try and use the shield, and um, it kind of explodes, and it frees one of the ancients. And then the Inquisitrix puts the mask on, and I believe that's when the ancient kind of possesses her, for lack of a better word. They, she, be, The Inquisitrix becomes the vessel for this released ancient, and that's kind of setting up the the big bad in this one, as we've said earlier. And that kind of brings right. us to chapter 15. Well, a couple things I, I do want to mention. So basically, Micah's being told... Like, you need weeks of meditation to activate the shield, and the shield is basically a set of armor. Right. And then she is hearing that from this first counselor dude who's in charge of this, but she's also hearing Zinn be like, yeah, just put it on. And <laughs> she, in, I think, classic Micah fashion, is like, I'm not going to meditate for weeks. She's on that <laughs> she's on that Vindarin continuum we've talked about, Charles. So <laughs> she probably yeah, closer to Rin than a lot of other folks. That's Rin from the popular we're <laughs> talking about, in her willingness to just take action and her proactivity. And Micah listens to Zinn and tries on this set of armor, the shield, with basically no preparation. And, of course, Zinn promptly feasts on the shield. And then the other bit is, uh, I think my, my favorite interactions in this whole set happen, this whole volume happen, hmm. on, it's for my separate volumes. It's page 79. We get this... Uh, interaction with Lil Fox and Micah, uh, where Lil Fox like someone has to care, and then Micah basically says, "Good people die first and then everyone's kind of telling her, "Hey, Lil Fox, that is everyone's telling Lil Fox like D you should just be focused on surviving. You shouldn't be focused on trying to be good." And uh, I honestly, when Micah puts Lil Fox down is super sad but then we get a charming little interaction with master ren and Lil fox which got set up by master ren having this sort of weird interaction with this giant cat <laughs> that told him to like go bring kippa to him and it's like a murderous giant cat that's right we've known that um ren has been kind of walking like playing all sides a little yeah. bit 
like he is a spy but he's also kind of fallen you know in love with micah and little fox or whatever you know they become a family yeah and so he's trying to play both sides and it's kind of getting tested here with this ominous looking cat leader dude being like well your debts will be paid once you bring us little fox and now he's gotta like you know be like "Ooh, is this the price i'm willing to pay for all of this who knows right and there's these dead cat bodies sprawled about in that giant cat monster's den so we get the sense that master ren is taking his own (laughs) at least one of his nine lives in (laughs) to his hands by potentially not listening so we get this moment where ren returns to see little fox and Little Fox is kind of like, well, I got to go help the Fox refugees, but tell Miss that I hope to see her again. I doubt she'll notice I'm gone, but just in case, I don't want her to be worried. And then she hugs, she hugs Ren and basically tells him, like, you've been my best friend since my family died. I love you. Yeah. And I... (laughs) I had a little bit of welling up going on during that moment. Charles hit me right in the feels. Yeah, that's so sweet. And then Ren is getting hit in the feels as well, tearing up a little bit. And he's like, well, don't I come with you just to make sure, you know, that you're okay in those moments, you know, very touched by that. And that's also right in line with the scenes where um, it's worth noting that Sezi and Kenzie return and have a little run-in with um, Micah as well. And says he kind of takes on this father-like role for Micah. Yeah, he's her goddess father, I yes. think. Like, so it's so. Um, and Micah's like, I'm sorry, you lost everything because of me. And he's like, if we're here, it's because family protects family, family endures. And that's right before, um, that's literally right before Smash Cut to Ren talking to the evil cat. And then smash cut to um, Little Fox hugging Ren and saying, I love you. So very interesting setup here. Hopefully the author saying family indoors before going into that scene is kind of being a hopeful kind of comment on like, hey, maybe Master Ren can be redeemed and and their family that they formed will endure through all this craziness, even if it doesn't seem that hopeful by the end of the volume. Let's hope, Charleston. I mean, there's no need to refrain from set, talking about the end here, which is where they find Ren when, like you said, Lil Fox has disappeared, and he did have that kind of moment of redemption. Mm-hmm. And he is found kind of passed out. Corvin brings him and says, he's spoke, he's spoken only one word since I found him family. Oh yeah. And, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. And then it just is to be continued with a little bit of what looks like Lil Fox's outfit. Right. So she, Marjorie Lou, obviously setting up that moment by having that cut that you were talking about from yeah, that says line to, of yeah. family indoors which right. uh, hopefully is a, is a theme for the next volume. I, I <laughs> poor little fox. You <laughs> can't do us like that. Yeah, we're all worried. So, uh, yeah, that's great. And that takes us into the 
what do you call this this elevator that goes down into the like engineering room of the shield i guess well so basically i think we already chatted about how it's a lab the shield gets destroyed mm-hmm. so they're basically then telling micah that she has to go to the shaman empress's lab and retru- and get stuff to repair the shield is where we end up next and then we we besides tuya and serve the east getting talking about getting hitched um i think <laughs> we pretty much go to the lab right Right. Um, right before this chapter started, it's worth noting that the Inquisitrix put the mask on and was possessed by yes. the ancient being. And there's that mysterious man that we've only seen once before at the end of volume two, very ominously. Mm. He's there being like, wringing his hands together like, yes, all everything's going <laughs> according to plan. And like, that's all we get from him. So it's like, okay, there's another force, mysterious force at work. And, and now they're in the lab trying to... My Micah and Zinn are in the lab trying to do what they can to repair the shield and prepare for this um, attack. And so we see a huge um, tonal shift here, an artistic style shift as as Micah and Zinn go down the dynamic duo into the lab. You see them starting to work together and learning how to complement each other's both in fighting and in puzzle solving and things like that you know they're helping each other unlock doors and and fight creatures and sometimes they work separately sometimes they have this thing where zin can almost kind of possess micah and that got him out of a few scraps and um yeah just a really exciting set piece for a lot of action as well yeah, but not just action, Charles. Also, the themes come through. That bit about Haven being an ironic title mm-hmm. shows up a lot here. I think that Marjorie Lou is very intentional about how she treated the sort of like guardians, and they call them servitors, mm-hmm. in this lab. So these are people that the Shaman Empress, uh, or people, these are sort of like robot things, that the shaman empress kind of set up to protect her lab in some way or another. We think that Zinn is going to be able to get in there and be like welcomed by the way that Zinn is all excited. Right. But then the servitors start by coming up, these sort of robot things, and they say, they all say at once, there's three speech bubbles, all are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome. And, <laughs> and then, so you think, oh, so this is sort of a haven. This is a safe place. Everyone's welcome. And then they promptly start shooting and attacking right. Micah and Zinn. So, right. Uh, this is a beautiful setting. Like in volume two, where the setting was like the corpse of an ancient, and Zinn was coming to the realization of his actions. Like he was the one that killed this ancient, and all this stuff has been left to kind of fester. Um, I'm seeing for my book, it's page 442, but uh, there is this moment where they're in the library and Zinn is like, oh, this was the library. All of my beloved's favorite books were here. And then there's this whole page of just the beloved and Zinn. Like Zinn is having this fuzzy haven-like memory of being all cozied up with his beloved reading books. And then that cuts to... um, them getting attacked by these creatures that were designed to 
protect Zin. And I just think this has been neglected and left to fester for so long. And Sana Takeda does a brilliant job of portraying that subtly, thematically, through the art style of like, oh, the memory is well lit and and they're all cuddled together having a moment but now smash cut to present day and we're covered in blood and these creatures that were once supposed to welcome everyone are now attacking and it's all dark and decrepit in here and it was just very interesting to live in this moment and watch as kind of like how all of these havens have just gotten so messed up through this war right well said Charles thank you and as a part of the Haven, you get something called the Guardian. And it's, I love this throughout this volume, Charles, is that all the names are very like defense focused, right? Like protector focused, like, right. oh, it's a Guardian. Like it's not uh, something that would go and attack. It's something that helps defend. And you also get that, I think, with the, the shield Charles, where the shield, of course, it's something that just protects and, with the Guardian here, we find out that it actually was betraying Micah and Zinn, despite seeming like it was trying to protect them. Right. And There's an interesting might... panel here where Zinn kind of takes the Guardian for granted a little bit, like walking past it and also giving it orders. And then the Guardian's kind of like, Irk, like, okay, I guess we're you're, you're trying to do this. <laughs> like, I guess you're giving me orders, you know? And it's like, well, Zinn, you've forgotten all of the neglect and betrayal yeah. that quote betrayal that has gone on throughout all these years you know you, you can't just go back here like nothing happened which i thought was an interesting um development in this chapter right zin might have remembered the combination to the lock to get in after three thousand years but it's still been three thousand years mm-hmm. so the guardian feeling pretty neglected <laughs> sort of betrays them by controlling this giant I don't know what to call it uh, like I guess it's a robot thing too yeah I think they and, just called it the guardian still I'm not sure okay though. yeah and then the guardian gets short circuited by Micah attacking it because Micah is able to see through that this guardian doesn't like sin (laughs) so that helps them find the tools they need to repair the shield and they pretty much get out of there with that i mean not unscathed but alive right right and it was interesting how um micah was like rin like Possess me, but let me use the powers, you know? That's... Zin, I believe. Oh, Zin. Although, uh, <laughs> if you want to send us fan fiction of Rin from the Poppy War, Possessing Micah, um, Charles will gladly read it. <laughs> me too. So, so, Zin, so Micah's like, Zin, possess me, but let me use the power, you know? Um, so that's kind of a... He's like, Zin, give me your strength. Give me what you can, what I can live through. Trust me in the name of your beloved. And that's when she, um, she's like, oh, I know where it hurts the most. And then just blammo, just blows up the, uh, blows up the guardian, which then stops the, um, this like juggernaut destroyer thing in its tracks. So they're like, okay, great. We found the pieces and let's go. And that's kind of how that chapter ends. There's a little bit of a reveal that the temp, the, like the lab is under attack 
And that's how we go into chapter 17. Right. So the place is under attack by both the Therians, who have realized that the shield is not active anymore, and their blood queen has been killed, so they're not so happy. And also this Inquisitrix with the mask on is out there. And it's it's pretty... the. Oh, I want to keep our clean rating, Charles. So the crap hits the fan yeah. pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. All of a sudden, the sky turns gray and all of these like horrible beings, and most importantly, being this um, this ancient with the yellow speech bubbles. I'm not sure if it has a name, but possessing the Inquisitrix lays siege to the temple and has attacked Little Fox's little camp. You start to see the problems there, and Master Ren is like, it's wearing a piece of mask, run for your uh, effing life, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, to keep a clean rating there as well. So, yep, Pontus, this haven um, for a whole variety of races, is now under siege. The prophesized uh, irony of the phrase haven. So um, the we get in a couple attempted fight scenes between Micah and Zinn versus this new ancient and you know some pretty exciting action pieces here they tried to use like that destroyer juggernaut thing against the ancient and it, you know the ancient had no problems blowing it up and Micah tries to fight it no use there it gets the second piece of mask which only makes things worse opens a giant epic um, hole in the sky worthy of any superhero movie very ominous mm-hmm. very like end of the world feeling and yeah the, the stakes just get higher it's not until Micah uses these claws that she's been fighting with to like literally just scrape that first layer of face off of the Inquisitrix, Inquisitrix to loosen the mask but by the time she does that it's too late the, the portal is open in the sky and we're ending with this ominous thing of like, <laughs> I think it's Zin who's like, if you believe in your goddess, perhaps you should start praying as this giant godlike thing is coming out of the sky. So very exciting piece of action here introduces us to the big bad. And now we got to deal with it somehow. Well, Charles, some of the theme related stuff I, I want to discuss here too, is mm. for the first couple volumes, a big part of it was that, you know, in the series, they do call them different races. Uh, obviously, there's the ancients, Arcanics, and the humans, and the cats. But the big enemy really has been the humans for the first couple volumes. The Federation, mm-hmm. and all these folks who are harming mostly the Arcanics. Right. And what we start getting here, Charles, I think, really for the first time, is Arcanics fighting against Arcanics. And it's like the refugees over here in the that fox camp, they're living in fear of the Arcanics invading and Therians coming and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the we've got like old god against old god stuff going on with Zinn. So it's actually what maybe should be your own safe haven, which is your own people. And even that can't be trusted. So again, sort of that irony of 
haven, mm. even Arcanics cannot feel safe among other Arcanics. Very well said. Another interesting thing that's done in this chapter is in building up the big bad for this volume, um, you it's interesting to see how you have two sides of the same coin, right? You have Micah and Zinn who are learning to fight together, but they're like separate beings and they, you know, they're fighting, like they're using a cooperative kind of fighting style. And then you have this other ancient who's just totally taken over, like forced the Inquisitrix to put the mask on, is right. c- totally controlling it, totally hell-bent on domination and just like brute force power and you know it's kind of the idea of like oh we're in like this similar situation of but this is like the full-on possession and it loses its like humanity and its hopefulness or anything like that when it's just one dominating the other so i thought that was a little interesting um comparison to make as well for sure charles well then we move on to chapter 18, we get in a situation where now Micah is trying to put both parts of the mask just on herself at first, Mm -hmm. right? Sort of the way that the Inquisitrix was doing it. And that that doesn't necessarily work as well, but we do kind of get this flashback moment. Right. Well, first, it's interesting to see that there are other ancients there in chains. Because we know that when you put the mask on, it somehow opens this portal or something to where the ancients live and that's what the big bad ancient is trying to do is like get through that portal um but also by wearing it one you see all these ancients like begging like make them stop free us you know all these Mm -hmm. kind of ominous things so you're not sure what's going on there add that to the several like pieces of world building going on in this volume. And then you are met with the beloved in this almost like um, dreamlike sequence where it's like, I'm your first mother and you're my last daughter. Like come here, meet these people. Um, You know, everyone's a mother in, in this line of blood, you know, that, that is dealing with the ancients and, get this ominous line. It's like, I'll tell you a secret. The mask is also a mother. So it's like, okay, um, that all means something, but uh, it's short lived. (laughs) Right. And we also find out that the first or the second mother, I guess it would be the first daughter of the Shaman Empress is the, only one who will bear the eye of her father. Mm-hmm. And then Micah asks, father? So we do wonder, who who is that father? Right, exactly. And we do know that there is this other random dude with the tattoo lurking around. Maybe he's got something to do with it. Who knows? But, yep, definitely an ominous little interlude here, adding yeah. to the mystique of the ancients. Uh, which has only very lightly been explored throughout these couple volumes. There, there seems to be something going on here. Like, are they tools being misused? Is there some sort of secret prophecy going on? Like, that it's all continuing to loom over these volumes. We're still trying to figure it out. 
that's for sure, Charles. And it also got a little timey wimey in there where yes. she's like, Oh, last time we met you were older and <laughs> Yeah. That's always alarming <laughs> when the second time you're meeting someone, they're younger than the first time. So I hope I know, Charles, you've been the more critical of us, too, on timey wiminess. I hope that wasn't too much for you. Well, it's just kind of this weird dream sequence interlude. I think it's also supposed to be kind of surreal. It's like, oh, when I met you, you were older just kind of adds to that, like layers of mystery saying stuff to sound mysterious and stuff so i'm fine with it it's <laughs> saying a... stuff to sound mysterious. I, I hope there's more to it than that i mean I'm, I'm i'm sure there is but you know the whole point of this is just to create intrigue and um, oh, yeah. ask more questions like give more questions than answers and all this other stuff so that was all thrown in here then the mask she's able to take it off and I think through the help of Zinn, and he's like, do you wish to have your mind obliterated? Like, you were hallucinating, no doubt. Like, you know, all these other things. And it's like, she's learning more about the ancients, um, this, that, and the other thing. And you hear more from the Inquisitrix, who now has no face, but she's still talking. And she's like, oh, you, like, I was betrayed. You seized me through the mask, blah, blah, blah. Things we already talked about. Um, so now we are getting to, oh yes, a, a Kip, a little fox gets attacked by the cats in these moments. Very exciting stuff there. You know, the, the battle's going down. So there's all these different things happening at once. You have little fox, you have Sezi and you have Micah and Zinn and they're all in different areas of the battle here. And it all culminates with this giant laser that they built from the shield. Well, yeah, and that's the thing I was alluding to earlier is this idea that the the shield, again, this defensive thing that's supposed to protect, then what does the royal engineer of Pontus want to do when she talks about repairing the shield. She actually means transforming this defensive thing into a giant offensive weapon right. that, you know, again, is is this really a haven? Is this really about protecting? No, it's about attacking or maybe uh, the best defense is a good offense because they form this thing into a cannon that someone with the blood like Micah can wield. And she tries it on and, uh, you know, we get this sense that much like Alexander Hamilton, uh, we don't <laughs> we don't want Micah to throw away her shot because she only has one to try to take down this like old god that is emerging from the sky. Right, and there's a great line where it's like, "This is all wrong. None of this technology will power the shield." And the builder's like, "We're not powering the shield. We've made a cannon. Now, yeah. <laughs> now take your shot." And that just builds up this subversion, this irony of the tidal haven, like you very well said. And then, of course, she takes the shot. She totally missed. She threw away her shot. As, oh, and... no. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you want to say that? <laughs> no, I'm just uh, oh, reacting Oh, you're like reacting. Oh, got it, got it. So it's like, oh, no. <gasps> right. So she missed yes. the shot. And she's like, did I hit it? And the engineer's like, not even close. Perhaps, there's, perhaps there is yet enough power to kill ourselves with. 
And um, that's when the Inquisitrix, still crawling around with no face, is like, if you were able to wear them without being defiled, you could access their powers. And Micah's like, all right, here I go. This is going to not be fun. <laughs> and then Zinn is like, wait, together maybe. And they each put on a piece of the mask, which was an interesting um, idea here. And it goes to this whole panel artwork it's almost like this zen piece where you have micah and zin like kind of gasping with the mask and in the center is the beloved it all seems kind of unifying and there's all these different orby things i'm sure it all means something but it looks like it's working (laughs) charles's number one takeaway from monsters volume three is i'm sure it all means something Yes, I'm sure it does. I think it's a culmination of all this stuff you were talking about earlier, Charles, where it's like Zinn and Micah trying to figure out how to actually work together instead of fight against each other. And the way to do it is to put your differences aside. Uh, One of you might be an Arcanic and one might be a monster old god. But at a certain point, you just got to each take half the mask and do your best to work together and they get to do it in this moment to great effects because it ends up giving them a second shot and they're able to take they're able to save everyone (laughs) obviously the ramifications of this entire thing are countless deaths anyway so they you know they save the world but at what cost? Right. Before we get too far, though, Dylan, I do want to redeem myself a little bit. For me, it's page 500, but it's that moment I was talking about where Micah and uh, Zen each put on a piece of mask, and it's that Zen full right. panel art piece. If you were to look at that, Dylan, and then you were to look at the end of the last chapter, you know we get our lectures from the esteemed Professor Tam Tam, former first record keeper of the Ishami Temple and learned contemporary of Nam and Blackclaw. You will know that they were talking about the map of, what do they call it? The map of the realms. And you will notice that the map of the realms and then the illustration of the beloved when they put the masks on are exactly the same. Five circles on the outside and one in the center. So I would like a little redemption there. I knew it meant something. (laughs) So Well, yeah. I'm sure that does mean something. That's very I'm turning back and forth right now. And you are you are accurate. That's right. Whoa. You know when the artist takes the time to make this huge moment of like everything connecting and a giant full page illustration and I saw all these circles. I'm like, okay, this means something. (laughs) (laughs) Had to do a little digging, but you know, it all comes back to the esteemed professor Tam Tam. And doesn't his it always map of the realms here though is professor i think professor tam tam might be a woman cat but either way the spheres um, beyond is what the, the map is for those of us interested uh yeah so. and and that helps flesh out this world that obviously has almost different dimensions and things going on that are 
far beyond what we've seen to this point. Right. So and I'm we know sure there's the a theme of like different entities being connected in, in many ways. And so like, you know, Micah and Zinn are from different realms. They're different kinds of beings, but they're obviously both literally connected and yeah. metaphorically connected. So I think by something how these masks help map all these different realms and by having different creatures from different realms put on the mask and they're cooperating and they're working together it all links all these realms together you know we're we're getting on to something here so we're we're getting close to something charles yes. <laughs> i can feel it in my bones right so that brings we us do... to yes where you were going <laughs> right we so, Charles, I'm sure you, with, uh, I think you you tend to have a great eye for more of the aesthetic of this thing. I'm sure you really appreciated the panel that came where we kind of get everyone looking out, like all the characters yes. looking out it, toward this giant blast at the same time. It's you You'd explain it better, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it's just this one moment captured in all these different places, everyone that was in this arc is all reacting to the same explosion. Um, you can see that even though they're all different political factions and all different stages of leadership to refugees, they're all pulled into this. They all can just stand by and look at this stuff that's going down, right? They all have the same reaction at the end of the day. It's like, they're all part of this and, wrapped into this and even this mysterious dude that we don't know anything about um is is looking up as well so they're all connected and they're all kind of on equal ground in terms of the forces that they're dealing with that's what i got from that page well said charles so we get the sense that micah saved all those people uh mm -hmm. not all of them necessarily people she cared to save but she saves lots of folks but lots of folks don't make it through i think they said predicting casualties in the hundred thousand range perhaps more and at the same time everyone's telling micah that she's a hero and micah as she often does whenever anyone says anything nice about her uh pushes back by saying that she's not and we get this line that I really liked, which is, he didn't say you were a good person. He said you were a hero. There's a difference. And I think that's that's a lot of what we get to toy with in this grimdark setting of Monstrous is what does it take and what things do you have to do to be a hero? Can you be a hero by doing some of the hard things that Micah has to mm. do to get things done, kind of these moments, like even in volume two, where she has to make the sacrifice of forcing Little Fox to be more under pressure to find the key, or forcing Little Fox to almost drown to learn to swim. Like she's willing to do those hard sacrifices for the greater good, and she does that here, versus we get Little Fox as exemplifying more of this like no you can be a hero by being a good person so we've got again more questions and answers about that kind of stuff and what's right. going to be most effective moving forward but i do love this like 
distinction between good person and hero. Yeah, that's a great theme. Very well said, Dylan. Also in this moment, like this whole three volume arc is ending now. Book one is coming to an end, but she's still trying to set up pieces. And one of those pieces is a quote from Michael where it's like, all I know is that the war between humans and Arcanics is um, effing bull honky compared to what we just fought. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. So, And that kind of goes back to that panel of everyone having the same reaction. They're all different political factions and things like that. It's the same thing. It's like there's something greater going on than our kind of secular war here. There's a this thing of all these different realms and ancient beings and things that are going on. Um, and they are posing just as big of a threat, if not more so. And that's kind of how we set up this, um, this like to be continued, but it's not the most cliffhangery thing we get. No, because at least in my opinion, no matter how epic monstrous gets or how big the world gets, the, the real draw is the characters and the relationships between the characters, especially the relationship between Micah and Little Fox. Mm -hmm. And the best way to leave us needing to see what happens is probably to have Little Fox get kidnapped and disappear. So we, uh, we're nervous over here. We are worried. You know, I got very much like fellowship vibes, you know, like when Frodo and Sam go off on their own, like the fellowship is broken. You get to that point, right? Like, okay, every, we've been with these characters for so long, this whole arc, and this arc ends when they expand with the world building and break off and, and get pulled out into this world. And I think we were ready for that. I think that's what Marjorie Lou was building up towards. And now the story just continues to open itself out into this epic, sprawling thing that is monstrous. <laughs> right. Well said, Charles. Well, you and I were probably going to be taking a, a respite for a bit from at least covering monstrous on the show i'm, mm -hmm. I'm definitely gonna finish out the remaining available graphic I mean, novels you can't just have a we'll... cliffhanger with this little fox you know we gotta know what's happening there yeah so we'll be reading it anyway but i it might be a while before we're back to discussing on the show we'll see about that maybe wait until the next volume I, I, or something yeah or the next uh yeah because the next volume would probably bring us to six in total yes. if I'm so we can do accurate. volumes four so five and six three, yeah. when that comes out potentially but yeah it's yep. been a wild ride looking forward to like taking the time to take it all in process it um i was really enjoyed reading it but i feel like i have you know mine is all three volumes together so i'm literally closing the book on this adventure on this journey and uh yeah i'm excited to to see where it goes in the future. Yeah, me too, Charles. I'm excited to see where you and I go as a podcast <laughs> in the future. Yes. But I I think we're ready to move toward that future together if you're ready to p play that sweet, sweet outro music. I'm ready. You know, it, it it's like Sezzy said, family endures, and we will endure together as we go into future buddy reads 
thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, reach out to us on Twitter. That's at the FDF Podcast with a number one at the end. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF Podcast. You can always send us an email, communicate with us directly through the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if someone wanted to support the show and they just so happen to be listening on Apple through Apple Podcasts, what kind of options they have to show their love for the show? They could toss five stars to our podcast. If you go onto our page over on Apple Podcasts and just scroll down past the episodes, get to the part where you see those stars available, click five of them. If you're feeling in a good mood and have a little extra time, then writing us a kind review, that's one of the best things you can do for a podcast in terms of helping us get noticed. So just listening, though, thank you so much for making it to the end of another episode here. Yes, thank you. Just by listening all the way to the end, you've already done more than enough. Thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.